0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Liadi taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg
1: Page 200, letter number 12 and like most of the 32 letters this part of the Tanya these are the letters regarding to A little different than the appeal letters we're getting in the mail, especially in the season. Mm-hmm. These are very deep letters, very profound letters. Each letter, it's amazing how many Al-Tarebi approaches giving tzedakah from this angle, from that angle, revealing a new depth and a new insight into the whole idea of tzedakah and the power of giving tzedakah. So it's a call for action based on a very profound understanding of the effect of tzedakah, tzedakah. So here, how the bases himself on a verse in Isaiah.
2: And the reward for the act of tzedakah will be peace. And the reward for the service of tzedakah will be quietness and surety forever.
1: He says, and most commentaries say that it's really poetic license. It's saying the same thing, just in many different words. The act of tzedakah will lead to peace, and the service of tzedakah will lead to tranquility and surety forever. But Al-Taribi will says, and based on the targum Yehudson which interprets the verse, translates the verse into Aramaic, but in the translation there's also an explanation. So he explains that the, Torah, that the verse is referring to two different things. It's not just a repetition, poetic license. He's not just saying, repeating the same thing. He's saying two different things. There's the act of tzedakah, which leads to peace, The reward for the act of tzedakah is peace, and the reward of the service of tzedakah, which is a different thing than the act of tzedakah, leads to a different reward. What's the reward? Tranquility and and the surety forever.
2: The difference between the act and service of tzedakah and the difference between the rewards of peace And quietness and surety will be understood by what our sages of blessed memory said on the verse, he makes peace in his high places.
1: So peace is not only between, uh, we don't only need peace in this world. Up there above in heaven, they also need peace. Because you have conflict. Peace, shalom. Everyone is into the word today. Shalom. We are the biggest advocates of peace. When two Jews meet, how do they greet each other? Shalom Aleichem. aleichem. Peace unto you. How does the other Jew respond?
2: Aleichem Aleichem
1: Shalom. Why doesn't the other Jew also respond Shalom Aleichem? a (laughs) Jew. Exactly. In every language, you say hello, he says hello. He says salam, he says salam. Only the Jew, you say shalom aleichem. So the Jew can't just say shalom aleichem. You say shalom aleichem. I'm going to say the exact opposite. Aleichem shalom. <laughs> but, but still wishing you peace. What is the concluding blessing of the Shemon the climax of the prayer? The blessing for peace. Sim shalom. What is the conclusion of the priestly blessing? Yaseim l'cha shalom. Peace. If there's peace, there's everything. If there is no peace, there's nothing. The whole entire Torah was given in order to bring peace. So, we are the biggest advocates of peace. But peace is necessary not only in this world, You would expect a world of politics, a world with inflated egos, a world with a lot of arrogance. Of course you expect friction and conflict. But he says, no, you need peace on high, in the heavenly spheres, amongst the angels, pure, holy angels. You need peace. Because it's not just politics or ego peace. You need peace wherever there's conflict. Wherever there are opposites. So it's not only to bridge the gap between two things that have no connection to each other. But how do you bridge the gap between two things that are opposite of each other? God created fire and He created water. They're opposites. It's not one is bad and one is good. They're both good. Fire is good and water is good. You're talking about two angels Heavenly beings, egoless, pure. And yet, one is fire and one is water. You have opposites. And God created the world in such a way that the two don't don't go together. Just like you have in this world, you have animals that are very cruel. The raven is very cruel, even to its own kind. The own ch- children. The eagle is very is very compassionate, but they're one, one dimensional. It's one or the other. So to the angels, the angels are also one dimensional. You have angels that are fire. You have angels that are water. It's only man. We are unique. Where Rosh Hashanah is right around the corner. When the angels, when God created Adam, the angels bowed down to Adam. They thought he was God. Because nothing like Adam exists in the whole universe. Adam, man, has a godly quality. Because man is the only creature in the universe, not the angels, not the animals, not a single creature in the universe has the ability to contain opposites. We have the full kaleidoscope of emotions within us. We have the right arm, we have the left arm, we have conservative, we have liberal, we have love and we have the opposite, we have fire and we have water and we have emotions, we have intellect and we have practical and we have soul. and To find all of this harmoniously in one single being, nothing like it exists in the universe. Everything in the universe is one dimension. So especially when you're... So you need peace even in, the, even in the world on high, not just in this physical world. Because you have conflict, you have two different entities, fire and water, opposite. More so, in the heavens, you may, you may need peace even more than you need in this world. Because the nature of heaven is, heaven is the world of truth. In heaven, everything is clearly delineated. Everything is crystal clear. Hell is hell and heaven is heaven. You can't mix it. Everything is clear. Everything is clearly defined. So fire is fire and water is water. How do you mix fire and water? On the contrary, this world is one big mishmash. This world is one big one big melting pot mixture, of confusion. Here, anything goes, everything goes, everything is mixed together. Opposites, not opposites. It's, everything is one big one big uh, uh, chollant one, one big one big mixture things that don't make sense are together on the same block you can have a house a holy house and next to a house of abomination literally in the same block within the same person you have abominable qualities and you have beautiful qualities within the same act we have we do a wonderful act but the motivation is rotten to the core I mean, you know it's, we're a very interesting blend only in this world do you have this mix-up? Could you mix opposites together? Anything goes, especially in America. Everything is a melting pot. Anything goes, everything goes. There's no logic, there's no rhyme, there's no reason, it's completely illogical. It doesn't mean anything. Two plus two is five. As long as you have the right uh, PR, you can convince anyone two plus two is five and make it very popular. I mean, but in a, in, a, in, a, in a true world, in a genuine world, in heaven, you can't play games. It's a world of truth. Everything is clear. So fire is fire and water is water. How do you mix the two? How can you make peace with fire and water? You know, only in America could you have make a thousand separations. You can have Jews for Jay. Only in America. Jews for Jay makes as much sense as vegetarians for meat. Same logic. <laughs> but you say it with a straight face and you say it long enough and you have a nice commercial going along with it. Yeah, why not? Land for peace. I mean, you know, only only, only in America could you come up with such nonsense, such dangerous nonsense. It flies in the face of all facts and reality and, and the proof is in the pudding after 20 years, 22 years of experimenting with this dangerous nonsense and you see how much bloodshed it led to. But again, you know, you just say something long enough. So it, but in the world of emeth, in the world of truth, fire is fire and water is water and the twain shall not mix. How do you mix it two? Heaven is heaven and earth is earth. And it's not just they're distant realities, they're different realities. They're opposing realities, conflicting realities. Fire and water don't go together. And that's what the rabbis say, that Hashem makes peace in heaven. You need Hashem to make peace in heaven. And who can make peace? Only Hashem can make peace. You're right. It's impossible. How, how, it's an impossibility. How can you make peace between two opposites, especially in heaven? When they are opposites. It's for real. They are opposites. One is fire and one is water. It's not like, it's not let's pretend. You can't pretend. They are opposites. But Hashem has the ability, only Hashem has the ability to reconcile opposites, to bring opposites together. Oyser Shalom, Hashem, you make peace. Bimraim in your high heavens. Ko is the prince of water, and
0: Gabriel is the prince of fire. They do not extinguish one another. So water seeks to quench fire, and fire endeavors to vaporize water. And Michal is the prince of water, and Avriel is the prince of fire. Nevertheless, they do not extinguish one another.
1: The Medrash brings many examples. We find in the hail, the, the ten plagues, the plague of hail, it was a miraculous hail, because within the hail, there was fire. Within the water, within the ice, there was fire. So within the miracle, that was the ultimate miracle, Hashem reconciled the fire and the water together. Opposites working together. So this is an impossibility by the rules of the universe, by the laws of nature. By the way Hashem structured the universe, fire is fire, water is water. But Hashem has the ability to bring The two together. That one does not extinguish the other. Firstly, obviously water does not extinguish fire. Water naturally should extinguish fire. But sometimes fire, fire could also dry out the water. That's why it says in the Kabbalah that what's the nature of fire? Fire is dry. It dries everything up. Dries up all the moistness. And is hot. Water is cold and is moist. The coldness is what puts out the fire. It opposes its opposite. Fire, water, besides being its own nature, also opposes, actively opposes the opposite fire. It cools off the fire. When you pour water on the fire, it cools off the fire fire, besides being of its own essence, essentially warm has the quality, it actively opposes its opposite. Fire actively opposes water. So it dries out the water. What happens when you put fire and water together? And Hashem miraculously puts fire and water together. Then you have the essence of the water which is the moistness without the coldness. Because you have fire, it's not cold. And you have the essence of fire, which is warm, without the dryness, because you have water. So that element, where it actively opposes its opposite, that's eliminated, and what's left is the essence of the fire and the essence of the water. And like in the hail, they were together, hand in hand, working together, which is almost miraculous. How do you have two opposites? How is it possible to have two opposites? Fire and water, which usually by nature oppose each other, actively oppose each other. Have that quality of opposing the other, of coolness to cool down the fire and, to, and the fire has the, has the quality of, uh, of to dry out the water. And yet here they work together. It's only Hashem. Oyser Shalom. Hashem is the one who makes peace in His heavens, high heavens, between these two opposites. It's between the two angels of Michael. And Gabriel. Now he explains, what do you mean by Michal is water and Gabriel is fire? So he explains, This means to say.
0: It means to say not that Michal's substance derives from the spiritual element of water and that Gabriel's substance derives from the spiritual element of fire, but that Michal is the prince of kindness, which is called water because it descends from a high place to a low place.
1: So the angels are basically Hashem's messengers. They are Shem's agents. They are his UPS <laughs> delivery. They deliver. All the sustenance.
0: FedEx is possible.
1: Hopefully FedEx, right? You have to pay more for FedEx for first, right, first class. <laughs> FedEx. Same day delivery. We <laughs> you gotta, you gotta be worthy. Um, But they are the messengers through which, a malach is a messenger through which Hashem sends all, all of his sustenance. Not only physical sustenance, but also spiritual sustenance. The energy, the ability that we have to be spiritual and to love Hashem and to create a relationship with Hashem, to be spiritual and refine ourselves and go beyond our egos, that ability and energy we also get from the angels. Because although, essentially, we are higher than an angel, we are greater than an angel, like we said earlier, angels are one-dimensional, or we are a reflection of the infinite, and the soul is much greater than, than an angel, but nevertheless, we are physical. We are in this physical, earthy world, coarse, crass world, so we need the help of the angels to through which God, Hashem, sends His sustenance, physical sustenance, as well as Spiritual sustenance. So Mikhail is the master of... He's in charge of the sustenance which is compared to water. Water reflects... The idea of water flows downwards. Water will always find the lowest spot. Water will always flow. Water is heavy and therefore will always be drawn down to the lowest spot. Versus fire is very light. And fire jumps up, fire goes in the opposite direction of water. Fire tries to, uh, to go up and is drawn above. And, of course, these two aspects come from two different aspects of Hashem. On one hand, Hashem has the ability to lower Himself and to even to the lowest level, on the other hand, Hashem is so exalted that He's beyond even our highest level. And therefore, you have these two different movements, fire and water. On one hand, you have water. Water will always find, like, w- kindness. Water represents kindness. You'll always find something good to say about a person. Even the biggest bum in low life, you're a good lawyer you'll find something good to say about them you'll you'll, you'll 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 dig you'll, <laughs> you'll dig deep and you'll find something and no one else no one else even thought of it. you'll dig up something paint the person the good way you know you, versus the prosecutor's exact opposite trait governor strength is to restrain to hold back find reasons why not to give why the person doesn't deserve it. Why the person's kindness is, it doesn't matter. You deserve it. You don't deserve it. I'm a liberal. I want to give. You don't deserve it. You do deserve it. Let's just give, no questions asked. A conservative is the exact opposite. You know, I'm just giving. I'm not giving indiscriminately. The person has to earn it. The person has to deserve it. The person has to be worthy. And you become so strict that nobody is worthy and nobody is good enough. And you can find fault in everyone and you can criticize anyone. And even the greatest angel you'll find criticism if you like. And even the, most of the greatest saint you'll find that they're human and you can find the wart somewhere and you can find some defect. He's not, not 100% perfect, maybe he's only 99.9.9% perfect and you already find fault in him and criticize him and he's not worthy, he's not good enough. So on one hand, we have these two impulses. There's the impulse of giving, like water. You just want to give, and give generously, and indiscriminately, and just give. Then you have another part, that you have the accelerator, and you have the brake. Wait a minute, stop. Create a limit, a boundary. Don't just give, it's not cheap, it's not free for all. Do you deserve it? Have you earned it? Why should I give you? And you create all these barriers and boundaries. So you have these two different impulses. And these two impulses run throughout the universe. You have the right side, the right arm, and the lefties. The righties and the lefties. The right arm and the left arm. The right arm is kind and generous. And the left arm is very tough and demanding. It's amazing how actually here in politics everything has become crossed. The left has become stands for the liberals, and the right stands for the conservatives. It's really, it's the right impulse, which is really kind and generous and giving, and it's the left impulse that's really tough, and so it's somehow the signals have become crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why everything is so messed up. <laughs> on the right there's nothing left, and on the left is no, nothing is right, you know. <laughs> um, so Michal is the master. He is the one who represents everything in the universe that's flowing, that's giving, that represents kindness, generosity, and the will to give. And then you have Gavriel represents the energy of Gavura, of restraint. Boundaries. Strictness. You have to jump over ten hoops. You want to get something? Prove it. Prove yourself. One test after another test. Like it's it's a test. If you're tough enough, you have to be so special. You have to, you know, you have to pass through to belong to the special forces. You have to pass through so many tests. Otherwise, you're out of here. You know, it's not for everyone. It's it's too cheap. It has to have value. It has no value if it's open to everyone and anything goes and anyone goes. It's not. You have to restraint and limits and. So it's two different impulses, two different energies, two opposite energies, fire and water, two opposites. So on every level, it represents two opposites, from the physical fire and water, to what they represent, kindness, liberalism, and restraint, and strictness, and toughness, and all the way to the heavenly source, which is the angel of Michal and the angel of Gavriel.
0: In spiritual terms, this descent means bestowal and diffusion of the divine life force from the higher to the lower worlds. Fire, whose nature is to soar aloft, represents spiritually the thrust of gavora, severity, and the upward withdrawal of the flow of life force, in order not to bestow it, except by way of an intense and immense contraction. Now these attributes are in conflict. Kesed representing unlimited effusion and Gevora representing limitation and contraction. But only when they are in their pristine state as attributes.
1: That's why they're called midis in Hebrew. They're called middais, attributes. Middais comes from the word limit. So, it's when they are in their own natural state, clearly defined. When they're clearly defined, then yes, Everything in the world breaks down. Guilty, not guilty. Obligated, not obligated. Pure, impure. Kosher, not kosher. Worthy, not worthy. Defense or prosecutor. Right or left. Everything is split down the middle. And they're opposites. They're on opposite sides of defense. It's one or the other. It's Fire and water. Two different impulses. That's why it's interesting when you see a liberal and conservative arguing. You have to realize that it's, it's they're coming from two different. It's not one is right and one is wrong. They're coming from two different the whole underlying assumptions. The whole underlying viewpoint of life is different. Hillel and Shammai—they're looking at life differently. Looking at the same reality, one sees the half cup; the cup is half empty, and one sees the half—the cup is half full. It was one right and one wrong. They're both right, but it's two different perspectives. I'm looking at the world. I'm looking at the world from the top down. I'm looking at the world from the bottom up. I'm seeing two different realities. I'm looking at a trunk of gold. And what, what am I seeing? One person sees the gold and one person sees the schmutz. I have to get rid of the schmutz. Let's, let's clean it and purify it. And let's, let's, Even the tiniest bit of dust disturbs me. The other person, the liberal, sees, sees the gold. And even, in, even after you take... Even after you remove gold, he goes back to the pile and he still finds one drop of gold. He's looking for the gold. All he sees is the gold. He sees the good. One person sees the good in everyone. He doesn't see anything negative. He's the kind person, the water. One person, all he can see, all he can focus on is a negative. Ah, That's not good enough. It's not deep enough. It's not authentic enough. It's not genuine enough. It's too artificial. It's too superficial. Too, Too... the same reality. One person sees the good in everything. Even the least likely places he would never suspect and yet he comes up with a gem finds something good to say and something really good. Like Avlevi Tzokhbadich always point out something good. Even the biggest bum in law life he found something good to say. You know the famous story he sees uh, someone in his fill and tefillin while he's wearing his fill and, and he's polishing his wagon. And what would be our reaction? Look at this good for nothing, is low life. You can't go to shul for a minute and daven. You have to be in the stable, in the barn, with your talus and tefillin and polish the wagon. What was so What did you respond? The opposite. He looks to heaven, he says, Hashem, look what a holy people you have. Even while he's polishing the wagon, he's thinking about you. He wasn't being facetious. He was right. Think about it. This guy is such a bum, a low life, a good for nothing. Why bother putting and all together? But no matter what, I'm a Jew. What do you mean? Yes, I'm I'm a Jew of the Daven. And that's what he pointed out. That's what he highlighted. So this one Jew only sees the good. And he loved everyone. And he drew everyone with his love and his kindness. And you have another Jew, the Katskar Rebbe, who terrified everyone. The biggest chassid he made dust and ashes from him. You, you're nothing. You're nobody. You haven't even started. You're so superficial. You're so empty. You, you, haven't even, you haven't even scratched the surface. Wake up. Stop being a baby. Grow up already. He would disturb you He would completely break you. Completely. This is fire. That's what fire does. Fire burns you to the crisp and takes you apart and breaks you and takes you. It's a whole different and it causes you to go upwards. It causes you to... to yearn to be different, to change. Versus water is like glue, it connects, it makes you feel good, it makes you feel loved, it makes you feel gentle, it's very gentle. Two different people, two different personalities, two different forces in the universe, it's two different worlds, this world of fire, the world of water. But these are opposites, Alter Rebbe says, when they're clearly defined. When you're living in the universe, and everything in the universe is clearly defined, especially in heaven. Heaven, everything is clearly defined. You can't mix two separate things, especially two opposites.
0: As much as the attributes are inherently limited, and indeed the very word "midah" means measure, each of them is confined to its innate characteristics. as it's to a to rise to withdraw. But the Holy One, blessed be He, makes peace between them so that they should not oppose one another.
1: So the only one who can make peace between two opposites is only Hashem. How is that how?
2: Through a
0: revelation, so that immense illumination and an intense effusion from the infinite and self-light is revealed within them.
1: So, it has to be a revelation that comes from without, not something that comes from within them. Within them, they don't have the capacity. They're clearly delineated, they're clearly defined. Chesed is Chesed, this is water and this is fire. It's two different worlds, two different different universes, opposite universes, not just different, two opposite. So, you can't bring the two together. It's not possible. Someone who's in prison cannot release himself from prison. You're limited. This is who you are. This is what you're all about. So, you cannot, without destroying yourself, you can't remain fire and remain water and be together with your opposite. It's impossible. Where Hashem created me. This is I'm clearly defined. This is my characteristic. This is my nature. This is my midah. This is my nature. This is my definition. This is my, my whole being. So I can't pretend to be not who I am. But it's only when something comes from the outside. It comes from Hashem. Something that's greater than me. And something when it comes to Hashem. Something that's greater than me. And when there's this tremendous illumination. As he's going to say, Hashem is infinite. Not only is Hashem infinite, Hashem is undefined. Hashem has no definition. Hashem's reality is not limited. So when Hashem reveals His infinite self, and reveals Himself, then you can reconcile opposites. Because from Hashem's point of view, there is no opposite it's only from our human perspective or from our perspective outside of Hashem that we have opposites. But when you go to the source, everything comes from Hashem. When you take it all the way to the source, from Hashem's point of view, there are no opposites. The same Hashem created water, the same Hashem created fire, they're just two different aspects of one reality. Two different aspects of Hashem, who's undefined. And because he's undefined and therefore he contains opposites, he contains everything. He's not, neither fire, he's neither water. It's something else entirely. So when when you realize that it's something else, it's not what you think it is. Only then could you reconcile opposites. It's like a person could be stuck, you know, most people are stuck. Emotionally, psychologically. And they can be stuck for decades. They never grow up. They never change. They're stuck. This is who I am. I can change. The more I change, the more I stay the same. And they can go to psychologists for years. Pay them. Like having a paid friend for decades. The guy is getting rich. Sending his kid to college. But you haven't changed one I year. Because this is who I am. And even if you find out that I'm here, this way because my mother made me so when I was three years old, because how high, how, how I was diaper changed. Okay. <laughs> so now that I know that, it still doesn't change me. I'm still stuck. It's very nice. Uh, a nice insight, but who, so what? It doesn't, doesn't help me. It doesn't help me. It doesn't change anything. So you're stuck. You have to go deeper. You have to go beyond. You have to go to the source of the emotions. You have to go to the root cause. This is just like a symptom. This is the tip of the iceberg. But but you want to get to the source where the emotions come from, what makes the emotions. You have to go deep down into your soul to the which is infinite and undefined in comparison to the conscious self. Your conscious self is you're already formed. You're already you're ready formed. But you have to get to the to the root cause. Like the stem cells, you know, in the child, and baby, beginning, the cells are yet formless. It can take up any form and any shape. Once the cells are already formed and shaped, then they, they become very rigid. Today they've actually found a way to take an adult cell and to coax it back into the first stage of a stem cell to get it to grow and to change which is really a tremendous, tremendous breakthrough, which can lead to tremendous cures. And you have to go. You can't work on the surface. On the surface, on the conscious level, everything is rigid. Everything is a mida. Everything is defined. Everything is delineated. Everything is—it's—it's it's already formed. Once it's formed, fire is fire and water is water. It's impossible to reconcile the two. But once you get, go deeper, and you go to the source, and you go to the infinite, and you go to Hashem, dear, everything is undefined. That's why Avram, the very first Jew, could walk in fire for three days, as if he was walking in a botanical garden, when Nimrod threw him to the fire, which took him days to heat up, it was so hot that those who walked close to the fire were already burned and died. Those who were preparing the fire it was so hot. And they threw Avram in, and Avraham Avram was walking around, a walk in the park, enjoying himself like walking in Hawaii, <laughs> and walking and enjoying those beautiful scenery. <laughs> they were all watching us in astonishment, in amazement. He's walking in fire and he's not burnt. Not, he's not burned. He's like he's like in a resort, uh, a resort. And so because when you connect connected to Hashem, then fire—yes, the nature of fire—it was a fire, but you're not limited. It's not rigid. It's flexible. Because is this what the fire is really all about? That's not what the fire is really all about. Both the fire and the water are really just expressions of Hashem. That's all it is. So once you connect it to the source. It's not about fire, it's not about water, it's about Hashem who's infinite and undefined. And that's why you have fire and water. So fire and water are nothing more than an expression of Hashem's being infinite and undefined. And that's why the same Hashem could create fire and create water. It's really two different aspects of Hashem and it's two sides of the same coin. It's really one. All there is, is one Hashem. Once you reach that level, then change is possible. Miracles are possible. Anything is possible. Nothing is rigid, nothing is fixed, and nothing is... Hasidus gives another beautiful example. He says, difference between the teacher and a student, the master and a student. When you teach a student an idea, the student can have a good head. He gets the idea. Not only does he get the idea, he can even communicate it to others. Because to communicate to others, you have to understand it yourself. But he can only communicate exactly what he heard from his teacher. It's very rigid. He can't go beyond the words of his teacher. It's a brilliant idea, a new insight that he learned from his teacher. He would never have thought of it on his own. That's why he's the teacher, he's the master, and you're the student. And he could repeat the idea and repeat it with enthusiasm and he can understand it and explain it to others. But it's limited to the words, the exact words, the exact concept of the teacher. Why? Because he's stuck in the external. He's stuck in the words as it was communicated to him. But does he truly get the idea? The same way the master gets the idea. The master who mastered the idea is not limited to these words. He can explain the same concept in a thousand ways. From this angle, from that angle, from this angle, in ways you would never expect. Using parables that seem you don't see the connection. Then you see the idea, and you find the same idea in many, many different situations, he's completely flexible because he mastered the idea. Once he mastered the idea, the words are nothing. The words are just, are just a tool. And I can use these words and I can strip it from the words and use a parable and use a simile and use these words and come from this angle, from that angle. Because you master the idea. You're not rigid. But if you don't really master the idea, if it's only external, and all you get is what you receive on the surface, on the conscious level, on the surface level, then it's, you're very limited, you're very rigid. I'm stuck to these words, and these words don't budge. And the same is nature. God created this world of nature with His words. The whole world was created with His words. We are stuck within those words. To us, the world of nature is very rigid. We are stuck. The words are defined, nature is nature, and you can't budge. But the moment you go a little deeper than nature, you live a life that's a little deeper than nature. You don't just follow your own nature, you don't just follow your own urges, you don't just follow your own instincts, you don't live like an animal. But you live, you live with faith in Hashem and you, live, you follow the Torah and you do the mitzvot and you live connected with Hashem. You lift yourself above nature like Avraham Avinu lifted himself above nature. Nature is not rigid anymore. That's why the Jewish people are the people of miracles. Our whole being is a miracle. Our whole existence is a miracle because we're plugged in. We're connected with Hashem. Nature. What is nature? We don't know what nature is. Nature. Our nature is miraculous. That's our nature. Nature. We're not limited to nature. Nature. We're not. We don't have that rigidity because we don't look. We look at this world. It's just words. What's in the content of the words? We connect with the content of the word. The content of the word is Hashem who's speaking the words. We connect with the speaker. When you're connected with the speaker and your whole life is connected with the speaker with Hashem through davening and through tefillin and through mitzvahs and to lighting the candles and keeping Shabbos and studying Hashem's Torah. Nature. What does nature have to do with anything? So Avram could walk through fire and the Jewish people, his, his children have been walking through fire literally for the last 3,800 years. Including this summer, the fire that was thrown at us. 4,000, over 4,000 missiles. And miraculously hardly scave nature nature has nothing to do with anything for a Jew nature nature is nothing we're people of miracles because it's not rigid it's words but if you don't connect with Hashem if you just live a life of nature and all you do is follow your urges and your instincts and you celebrate your nature and that's what your life is all about then you're stuck sorry this is nature nature is very unforgiving Nature is very rigid and very, fire will burn you. That's it. All the others, besides Avram, got swallowed up by the fire, even if they came close. So when you live a midah, when you're looking at it, a means on the conscious level, on your surface, on the, on the external level, everything is delineated, everything is defined, and then fire is fire, and water is water, and they're two opposites. But when you connect to Hashem, who's infinite, the source, it's not about fire, it's not about water. So you can have the fire, and the fire gets along with the water.
0: For well, like his name, so is he. He is not heaven for friend on the major plane of attributes, but transcends exceedingly at infinity. Even the rank of the intellectual faculties of Chabad, which is the source of the attributes, and surely he transcends the attributes themselves.
1: Not only does does he transcend the emotional attributes, Hashem even transcends the source of the emotional attributes, which is Chabad, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Because again, the conscious mind is also very limited. The conscious mind is the source of the emotions. The conscious mind also thinks in very delineated, very defined ways. It's right or it's wrong. It's this or it's that. But the truth is, if you go deeper... If you go to the subconscious level, it's 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 a whole different perception of reality, it's a whole different experience of reality. When you experience reality, seemingly opposites come together. Ideas are flexible, it's not so rigid, it's not this or that. It's only on the external conscious level, which is chabad, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, which is the beginning of the conscious level which is the source of emotions. Also very defined emotions. I love or I hate. I'm attracted or I'm repulsed. It's very clearly defined. And very rigid. There's no flexibility. There's no movement. Change is not possible. But once you go deeper, and you go to the source of emotions, and the source of ideas, and the source of intellect within the soul, which is the subconscious level, which is the undefined level, then suddenly things can shift. Things can change. This could be movement. You're not stuck. And then what appears to be opposites could be reconciled and work together harmoniously. But for this you have to go deeper and you have to get beyond. It's not something you can do on your own. You have to get beyond your emotion. For this you have to reach a very high level of, of Egolessness. You have to get out of yourself. Because as long as you're into yourself, then you're very rigid. If you don't create a distance, a space, a separation, an opening, then you can't let the infinite in. You can't, you can't. Then you remain stuck. You have to distance yourself. You have to get out of yourself. You have to forget about yourself and allow, create a space to allow the infinite. An opening to allow the infinite when you allow this in light, this infinite light and infinite reality, which is the source of, of all reality, then there could be movement, there could be change, there could be opposites together, because it's a whole different experience of reality. It's like a difference in experience, experiencing, or understanding. You can understand, you can be brilliant, you can be, be wise, you can be understanding, you can be knowledgeable, but it's all in the brain. It's abstract in your head and you can even feel but a feeling also could be pretty external superficial I love I hate versus experience when you experience it's your neshama it's your soul it's a whole different ball game it's not it's not even close it's it's, it's a whole different experience it's, it's, experiencing is with your whole being it's Suddenly the idea is not just an abstract idea. Suddenly the idea comes alive. The emotion comes alive. It's like the external conscious emotions are almost cartoons in comparison, cartoonish in comparison to real deep experience that engages every fiber of your being and every bone in your body and your whole being. There's a depth to experience. There's a reality to it. And in experience you can experience opposites and, and... and it all comes together in and in a, in a blends together in a very harmonious way, and there's movement and flexibility and change, and it's alive. This can only come from above. It can only come when you get beyond yourself, beyond your mida, beyond your limitation and rigidity and self-definition, and that takes a certain level of egolessness to merit such a revelation. You have to get beyond yourself to create a space. Most people go through the entire life and never once create a space, an empty space. All of creation, in order to create, Hashem first created an empty space. Hashem removed himself, and then he created an empty space, so to speak, and in the space is a whole universe. he created a whole universe. If he didn't create this empty space, there would be no room for us, for this universe. And vice versa. We have to create an empty space. We have to remove ourselves, just like Hashem, so to speak, removed himself. We have to remove ourselves to create an empty space to allow Hashem inside our lives. If you don't create an empty space, you don't allow Hashem into your life and all you're stuck with is nature, rigidity, everything is rigid, everything is square, everything is clearly defined, and then there's no change, no movement, definitely no miracles. And then we're stuck. But when you allow Hashem, then you create that space, you remove yourself and create that space, you allow Hashem into your life, then anything could happen. Not only is change possible, but opposites can be reconciled. Fire and water come together, harmonious.
0: And then when Hashem, infinite light, is revealed within the attributes, the opposite attributes of Michael and Gabriel are absorbed in their source and root, and they become truly unified, unified in his high light, which radiates to them in a manifest way.
1: So once you reveal the source of Michael and Gabriel, you reveal the source of fire and water, you reveal Hashem, Hashem's infinite light, their opposites are reconciled. There are no opposites. Then suddenly Michael and Gabriel are working together harmoniously, the hail, together with the the ice, the fire and the hail, everything works together. There's no opposites. Abram could walk could walk through uh, walk through the fire. Without burning. Opposites are are reconciled.
2: Once their individuality is nullified, they no longer oppose each other. By way of, of analogy, the intense energy of two high officials dissolves in the presence of their sovereign into friendship. It is because of their point a joint nullification before the king that this unity comes about. So too the defined bounds of the various attributes dissipate in the face of the limitless revelation of the infinite light.
1: So he uses a very practical example. You have two ministers opposite. Opposite natures, tendencies, can't stand each other. Through power, ego, power, powerful people. Ministers, they're running the country. And yet when they come for the king, all the differences melt away. And suddenly they work together. What happened? What happened when they came for the king? Before they couldn't speak to each other. we well, were not on speaking terms. This one couldn't stand the other one. This one, opposites fire and water.
2: Their egos
1: Because when you're standing in front of the king, when you're sitting in your office and you're the powerful minister of this and he's the powerful minister of that, two different forces and sometimes competing forces. And even, even by the way, legitimately, it's not only arrogance and ego. Right now in Israel is a big debate. The minister of defense is pushing we need more money for defense. You have another minister, the minister of... of, of, of humanitarian, uh, the social services, uh, the economy, he says it's going to hurt the economy. The minister of social services says, well, we have to spend money. Each minister has to represent their interests, is looking out for their interests, and they're supposed to fight. I mean, if every minister, he has to look out and, and for his interests, for the interest that he represents, and says for the best of the country, we have to spend more money on, on, on humanitarian purposes. And the minister of defense points out, says, listen, it's very nice, but if we're not going to have a country, if we don't defend ourselves, there won't be anyone to service. So we have to spend, and the other minister of finance says we're going to go bankrupt. Then, so it's not necessarily that it's a it's they're doing their job. So you have these powerful ministers, capable ministers. Each one represents their part of the of the country that they have to represent, and they're representing it honestly and to the best of their ability. And they clash, huge clashes till they come before the king. When they come before the king, they remember there's one king. It's one country. It's different aspects of one reality. The king embodies it's a single... We're not, it's not. It's like the right arm and the left arm. It's just two different parts of one organism, of one healthy organism. So suddenly... The right arm doesn't fight with the left arm. The left arm doesn't fight with the right arm. And, and, and he creates complete harmony and they work together. He reminds them that there's something deeper, there's something greater. When every minister is stuck in his office, that becomes his whole world. He forgets it is a bigger picture. His world is finance. That's all he thinks about 24-7. He's not worried about anything else. He doesn't know about anything else. The defense minister, his universe is defense, military. He doesn't think about anything else. But a country is multidimensional, a country is not just about defense, a country is not just about finance, and a country is not just about, it's also about kindness and compassion. The king is the one who embodies the whole thing, all of it together. So suddenly, instead of being different fiefdoms and different universes that clash and can't get along, the king brings them all together and reminds them, we're all part, we're all one, you're one team. We're all in this together, we're all serving one theme, one purpose, we're one, one healthy body, one healthy organism. And therefore, the king can get these two opposite ministers to work together because he elevates them. He lifts them above. Each minister can't see beyond his own nose. You know, this is his whole world. The king takes, shows him the bigger picture. This, this, this is a bigger picture, you know. You're worried about your thing. It's very important, very nice. You're worried about your thing, but there's a bigger picture. The whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. That's what the king embodies. And that's what they're reminded. That's when they come in front of the king, they forget all the differences and they, they, they put aside all the differences and they genuinely work together because they, he, the king elevates the ministers to a higher level. They become part of something larger than all of them put together. Just like the body. Every organ feels that it's part of something larger then, then everything put together, and that's why the liver can work so well with the heart, and the heart with the brain, because the organs are so different and even opposites. How do they all work together so harmoniously? Because the liver remembers. Yes, my job is being a liver. It's all the liver knows is how to be a good liver, and the kidney knows how to be a good kidney, and the heart knows how to be, and the lung knows how to be a good lung. But each individual organ remembers. There's something much deeper here. I'm not just a lung. I'm part of something bigger than all of us put together. I'm part of one entity, one living dynamic organism. So I have to forget about my being a lung for a second. There's also a liver and there's also a heart and we're all together and we all have to help each other and we all have to work harmoniously. That's what the king reminds. That There's a bigger picture here. It's not just, you know, military is not just, there's a whole picture, all part of this bigger picture. And therefore he gets all the ministers to work harmoniously and and that's when the kingdom is successful. If every minister is a separate uh, fiefdom and every minister works uh, to the detriment of the interest of the other minister and the infighting, and then that spells disaster. But when the, the king brings them all together and then he has these powerful ministers. The king, a good king, chooses powerful ministers. He doesn't choose uh, pushovers, you know, powerful ministers. And each minister fights for his thing and represents his interest, and, and that's what he's meant to do. Yet the king is able to reconcile them all together. I don't know if this applies to prime ministers, but, uh, <laughs> but, but a king, or well, a president, but a king brings them all together, and, and they all work harmoniously, and then the kingdom is successful. So that's a very practical example, practical, of this idea how Hashem brings together Michal and Gavriel, reconciles fire and water and the two opposite camps and two opposite interests, water flowing downwards and fire jumping upwards and two different directions and two different, uh, and yet working together and bringing them together by revealing Hashem, um, whose greatest who's the source, the infinite source of all.
0: The gavura are thereby tempered and mellow, literally sweetened in the passage, and are something to goodness and
1: kindness. When gavura is tempered and mellow and sweetened, it's much more powerful than just goodness and kindness alone, per se. It's like the difference between sugar and honey. Sugar is naturally sweet. Honey is much more powerful than sugar. Honey has the ability to take something sour, and if you soak it in honey, it will transform the sourness into sweetness. That's the power. Sugar doesn't have that power. Sugar is naturally sweet; it's sweet. But honey is with a, with a, has an energy to it. it has a strength to it. Honey has the ability to take the opposite of sweetness and to completely transform it. So when strength, Gevura is really strength. Why is Gevura so strict? So people think that Gevura represents restraint, limitations, restraint. But the truth is the word Gevura means strength. Gavura is really about life, about a powerful force, powerful energy, very energetic. It's like the blood. The blood pulsates through the body. It's a life force, it's a powerful force. Rain is compared to Gavura. But the problem is that Gavura is so intense, it's so powerful. If the blood surges through the body, it could burst through the veins and you're dead. So it has to be limited. You have to have the veins to make sure the blood doesn't go out of the vein and courses. It has to have a vessel. If it doesn't have a proper vessel to contain it, it becomes a destructive force, just like rain. The miracle of rain is rain has to be divided. Hashem made rain, divided it, gevorah, restrained it, limited it into drops. What do you gain by, by making rain into drops? Exactly, You get the exact same amount of rain whether it comes in drops, or it came in one big sheet of rain. The difference is, if it came in one big sheet of rain, we would all drown, the world would be destroyed, this world would be flooded, we couldn't survive. So because Gevura is so powerful, because the surge of energy is so intense and so powerful, it needs to be contained, it needs to be limited, because otherwise it would destroy you. That's why it's so judgmental, and that's why it's so exacting, and that's why it's so precise. Are you worthy? Are not worthy? Because it's too powerful. If you're not worthy, if you're not a vessel, if you're not a vehicle, it'll just destroy you. It's not going to do you any good. So Gavurah is not about negative, it's not about holding back life. Just like in the rain, when Hashem broke the rain into drops, you get the same amount of water. But it's done in a way that's gentle, that we can receive it. It's broken down into pieces in a way that we can handle it. Like a teacher, a good teacher, you can't overwhelm the students with information. He'll overwhelm the students with information like a sheet of rain will just overwhelm them, he'll fry their brains. You have to break it down into small little pieces. And they can chew on one little piece at a time, like baby, cut it down, baby food. Have a little piece here, a little piece there. So you're giving him. you want to give. Gvura is about giving. Gvura is not about restraint, holding back. And it's giving with an intensity, with a, with a warmth, with a, with a with a powerful impetus. But because it's so powerful, that's why it has to be restrained, it has to be limited, and you have to be very careful. You have to be worthy, otherwise it's going to destroy you. Otherwise, it'll just it'll just burn out. It'll just uh, there'll be a power surge, and it'll just it'll just short. It'll short the system. So powerful. <laughs> so that's what Gavura is. So he says. So when you're able to, to mix the water with the fire, you're able to mix the kindness with the gavura, then you have, it's like honey, then you have the sweetness that you get from gavura is much more powerful. It's a powerful sweetness. Sweetness on its own, sugar is limited. It's sweet, but it doesn't have the power to take something sour and turn it into sweet. But honey has the power, the energy, the force, It has that life force, that vitality, that vigor, that that it's alive, pulsating with life. It has the ability to take the sourness and turn it into sweetness. Like a person, take two people. One person is naturally kind, naturally nice. Just nice, they were born that way. Nice, sweet, gentle, refined. Take a person versus a person who's naturally mean, atrocious, horrible, Biting, nasty, cutting. But he worked on himself. And he became a mensch. He learned to zipper his mouth. Learned to say compliment. Learned to say kind things. Learned to say loving things. Instead of biting and harsh and always, you know, you know you, a person walks away and says, you know, I wish he never shook. comes back. All he does is he makes me heavy and biting and negative, sarcastic. Instead, the person works on himself, and he, he becomes a good person. He starts saying, thinks about what he says, and tries to say kind things and good things. The kindness of the person who works in himself, you can't compare it. It's so much richer, it's so much deeper, it's so much more profound, it's so much more mature. It's, it has an oomph to it, it has an energy, it has a fire to it. So we imagine kindness with a fire, kindness with a, like a pistol, with, a, with an engine, a fire. But it's kindness, it's sweetness, but it has that fire behind it. How could you compare? You can't even compare. It's a different world. So when Hashem, that's what we ask Hashem to sweeten the, the severity. We, on Rosh Hashanah, we're not just praying it should be a sweet year. We want Hashem to sweeten the severities. The accusations are there, the negativity is there, the sword is hanging over our heads, it's there. But we want to sweeten it. When we sweeten it, then the kindness is of a different quality, different caliber. It has a fire to it. It's so much richer and so much deeper. So then you get something very special. What comes out, the result, is something novel. You get a fiery love, a fiery kindness, a fiery sweetness. It's a a whole different, uh, a new breed. (laughs) It's an alchemy. The ultimate alchemy of turning fire into sweetness.
0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com